0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the ChurchLeaderInsights.com podcast. I'm Nelson Searcy, and I'm your host for these regular podcasts where we focus on church growth, church planting, and church health. And I'm very excited about today's podcast because this is part two of my ongoing conversation that I had with Bill Esom at the Los Angeles Renegade Pastors Conference. And that is a private conference that I only do for members of my Renegade Pastors Network, And basically for about an hour, I put Bill Esom on the hot seat and I asked him about all things related to church growth and church health. And uh, Bill has had a bird's eye view over the last 40 years as a uh, pastor of some of the largest, uh, specifically United Methodist churches uh, in America. But also, as a consultant, a personal consultant to over 300 congregations, uh, some of the largest in the world, and uh, some of the most di- diverse experience that anybody uh, could have, uh, Bill Easum has had it. And uh, he is the author of uh, numerous books. In fact, you can go to Amazon.com and uh, type in Bill, E-A-S-U-M, and uh, you can find uh, all of his books there. And uh, I can't think of one that I wouldn't recommend to you, but uh, I might start with his Church Growth Handbook, and uh, then his book on Go Big, which we use in my uh, coaching networks as well. But uh, I want to jump right into this conversation because this one's a little longer. And uh, this one is entitled, The Fastest Way to Grow a Church. And uh, in this podcast, I'm going to talk to Bill about one of the most misunderstood principles of church growth, and that is the homogeneous uh, principle, uh, or the homogenous principle, or the principle of homogeneity. I'm never exactly sure where to put the emphasis on the right syllabus uh, for that, but uh, it is the principle of homogeneity, is how I teach it uh, in my church growth um, resources. But uh, we're going to talk to Bill about that and about why that is so controversial, but yet why it's so key uh, to church growth. And then we're going to get into the power of the worship services, because uh, there's something about uh, improvements in the worship service that can really bring about uh, rapid church growth. And so uh, this is about an 18-minute long conversation. And uh, prepare to take notes. Prepare to be challenged. Uh, Bill is a truth teller. Uh, He is a guy who tells it like it is. And uh, that's one of the things I love about him. And uh, the volume on this, it was recorded live at my Renegade Pastors Network. That's a private event I only do for members of my network. And uh, when we recorded it, we did not intend to share it like this. But I've edited it down for you. And so crank up your volume. I think you're really going to enjoy it. And then after it's over... Uh, I'll be back in the studio, and stay tuned. I have a very special announcement, including a way for you to take a test drive of the Renegade Pastors Network for only $1. And I'll tell you about that uh, when I come back, and I'll also uh, give you a teaser for what's coming up in the final part, uh, part three. But for now, let's go live to the stage in Los Angeles, California, at the Renegade Pastors Conference. You mentioned uh, mentioned the homogenous principle of church growth you tie it into growth occurs when people are given a wide variety of church of choices but then you bring into the homogenous principle which is probably the most controversial element yeah well
1: uh birds of the feather flock together i don't care what you're going to do um they just do you know i mean uh it's i'm i'm one of the oldest people in the church that i go to in corpus the music is louder than what they were playing in here after the session was over um not everybody likes that style. Uh, when I go out to dinner, it's usually not with a 20-year-old couple. It's usually with, you know, uh, with an older couple. That's just the way, the way it is. The homogenous principle does, does work. Now, what's going to be homogenous, and this is where I would make a U-turn. What's going to be homogenous 50 years from now isn't going to be all Caucasian. It's going to be multicultural. I mean, it's going to be a whole different... Uh, a whole different uh, a ball game, and uh, b- but when I wrote that book back then, um, you you just looked at churches—the ones that were growing—pretty much all looked alike. The black churches were black; the white churches were white. And to a certain extent, that's still true. But we're seeing the beginning of the change to more multicultural and multiracial. And I think that will continue. And that would be one place, if I wrote the book again, that I might make somewhat of a U-turn, that the homogenous principle is going to be different in in the new world.
0: Yeah, I'll just uh, say a quick word about that. First of all, how many of you are familiar with the homogenous principle? This is a a key church growth principle about how the gospel spread. And uh, McGavern made this observation in India that in the caste system, it was easier to sort of spread the gospel among the same caste than it was for the gospel to move up and down uh, between caste. And then a lot of people have misunderstood it since then. But uh, we, uh, we had somebody come to Journey, you know, one of the, the people who studied church growth and all that, when we were uh, hitting a certain size. And one of the statements they made is, you guys are violating the uh, principle of homogeneity. Because if you look at Journey in New York City, it's even more diverse than this room is in here. And this is a, a fairly diverse room. You know, you look at it from up here, we have diversity in age, we have diversity in race and all that. But uh, at Journey, you know, I often joked, I'm like the whitest guy there, you know. Well, maybe Carrick, he's a little whiter than me. But, you know, I'm kinda, it, it's, it's very diverse skin color-wise, external-wise. But what I remember saying to him is, no, we're, we're all the same in the way we think. Because if I crack a joke on stage, this was back when Seinfeld, the, the TV show Seinfeld was so popular. I said if I said something about Seinfeld, everybody in the congregation nods their head because they all know who Seinfeld is. If I made a joke about a you know, particular way of thinking, everybody nods their head because even though we look different, we all think the same. There was a mindset that we shared. And that was you know this New York City mindset, this Western kind of mindset that you know even people from eastern europe or japan or korea or whatever that were in our church they still shared that mindset and so really we had uh, we were homogenous it just wasn't skin color
1: yeah yeah that, that's a good observation yeah homogenous also i like this kind of worship and somebody else likes that kind of worship yeah and you, 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 you try to mix them and you make half the people mad half the time uh, so homogenous can mean different things for different people but, but I do think the huge change that we're seeing across the country is, is more multiracial, multicultural, no matter what the mindset, compared to 50 years ago. Yep. You know, it, uh, that, that's a huge shift. But even when, uh, when I was pastoring, you know, I quit in 93, uh, we were not able to, to reach the lower class Latino uh, what I discovered when I, because I, I spent nine years in community organizing with those folks and, and knew them very, very well, and when I'd ask them, why won't you come to my church, they'd say, look at all the cars on Sunday morning in front of your church. If if, if we brought our car in, uh, it would stick out like a sore thumb. We'd be embarrassed to bring our car and park it next to a Porsche or a Jag or whatever was, was there.
0: They had Porsches and Jags in San Antonio?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. So, so we started a Saturday night service, uh, and, and we began to reach, like in India, a, di- a different, literally a different a cast of people. Um, it was, there were very few Anglos in the group uh, because they, they, they felt at home. And it was amazing to me that a parking lot's appearance uh, would, would keep some folks away. Now we're beginning to see that break down more and more across the country, which I think is a, is a great thing. Yeah. Um, but back in the, in the, in the 70s, um, it, it was a whole different world. Um, not saying better or worse, it's just very different.
0: Yeah, I asked uh, Peter Wagner one time about that principle, and uh, he said everybody makes a big deal about it, but if it's working for you, if you're reaching people, don't be afraid of it.
1: Correct. That's result-oriented. Yeah, Yeah, because there are other churches, and we don't have to all go to the same place, and we don't have to all look alike. Um, That's that's not kingdom variety. So, yeah, I think too much has been made of it.
0: Yeah, uh, you you raised an issue there about the service, and I had this as a side question. In coaching, I often advise people they have one service that's working. It's a particular style of service, and it's it's reaching people, and that. That group of people they're reaching has not been exhausted. There's still plenty of others out there that they could reach in that same homogenous vein. I often advise them when they start a second service, don't go after a new vein. At least for your second service, continue in the vein that's working. In other words, keep doing more of what's reaching people. Would you advise that? Oh,
1: yeah. Yes. If it's working, yes. Where, where Where I would differ from that is if I'm working in a church where the worship isn't working. Yeah. Uh, such as the 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 established church has been around for 50 years and the worship is is so boring you can fall asleep and wake up and know exactly where you are you know and and they love it uh then i would say let's start a different style of worship Uh, you know i always say when i go in i'm not here to change much i'm here to add and i've learned with the older crowd that's a very important piece if I'm working with a church that's growing, that's a whole different story. No, if it's if, and it's going to be, if it's growing, it's probably going to be contemporary yeah. by the you know, rock of some description. So let's just do more of it. Yes, totally agree with that.
0: Yeah, well, let's talk about worship. I'll jump ahead a little bit here. But uh, you write that growing churches have dynamic corporate worship. The following formula is a great formula. And, you know, we all write formulas and we regret it later when they all say it's just a formula. But this is a good one. Uh, worship attendance is the barometer uh, I think that's how the word is barometer for the short term health of a church because it yields immediate results. Sunday school or maybe small group participation is the barometer for the long term health because changes due to education usually take at least two years.
1: Oh. I, I, I'm constantly amazed uh, at, at how Little pastors understand that worship's your bread and butter if if worship isn 't alive and, and inspiring and electric, nothing else matters i mean and, and I see church after church number one mistake I see churches make in this vein, is they hire a youth director before they hire a worship leader.
0: I'm getting there, too, yeah. You're, you're getting to that no, one? Go ahead.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's just, and I see this over and over and over. I was in a church not long ago It had like 700 in worship. It had 50 kids in, in the senior high, and it had a full-time senior high person and a full-time junior high person, and did not have a full-time worship leader. And I'm thinking, how stupid can this church be? I mean, kids don't bring in money and you have to have money to survive do, do you not i mean can, can you make it in this country culture you can't make it without uh, without money coming in so that's that's the business the crude side of it the, the the spiritual side of it is is it's still true that worship is the number one place people plug into a church they may see you on a website or something else but very few people come into the church through the small group or some side type thing if they don't like worship they don't return if they don't return you can't disciple them so it's uh yeah but the long term if if all i'm gonna do is sit in a pew in two years i'm probably gone Uh, you know now that that used not to be true but that's part of the the changes people don't go to church anymore out of duty my parents went to church out of duty well they didn't go to church but if they had gone to church Uh their generation went out of duty whether they liked it or not and if they didn't go they felt guilty no one feels guilty anymore about not going to church that's over done with gone if they're there it's because they want to be there uh, not because grandma wants them there so the long-term health <clears throat> is what happens relationally with people short-term is worship long-term is, is, uh, is small i still see that as true i see it more in small groups than i do sunday school now. yeah yeah um but back then, Sunday school was stronger than small groups. Yep. And now I think small groups are stronger uh, than Sunday school. I mean, uh, church I go to Southern Baptist Church. They don't even have adult Sunday school. So that, that's a huge shift. That says something to somebody, or, or it should. You know.
0: Yeah, I, I swipe that and you know, teach this idea that worship opens the front door, and then small groups close the back door. Right. And you know, you've got to assimilate them in, into that process. And, uh, you know, when I wrote activate, uh, to try to increase the small group system inside of a church, a lot of people misinterpreted that and thought I was saying, reach people through small groups because, you know, I'm kind of an evangelism guy, maybe 10%, maybe 5% of evangelism can be done that way. Mm, maybe. But I still think even in postmodern, missional, whatever culture we're in, people are more comfortable in the large group first. Yes. And then that's where you then move them through an assimilation process or a small group system.
1: I, to- I agree totally. Yeah, yeah, that that's right on.
0: Um, you say preaching is the central element of worship.
1: Yeah, and I don't know if I would say that today.
0: We were talking about this upstairs yesterday. Yeah.
1: Uh, when I wrote that book in nineteen ninety, well, I actually wrote it in eighty five. It took Abington five years to publish it. I've got a letter from him that says, uh, "There's not room for another." book on church growth Uh, that was in 85 when I wrote that book Um, but when I wrote that book there were still the sermon was still the central focus of most worship services I I don't think it is today by itself Uh, I think it's the the message is the entire service Uh, that was not true in the 50s 60s and probably even 70s um, but it, it began to change, I think, in the late 70s, that the worship became more of an experience overall. And now, if, you, if I were writing that, I would say that, that 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 the the video and the music is is at least half, maybe two thirds of the service.
0: Yeah, we, we talked about this a bit over lunch yesterday, and uh, you know, my latest thinking on that is that the preaching has to be at a certain threshold, or it's a distraction. So if, it does it, if the preaching yeah. doesn't get to, say, B minus level, it can take away from the service. But a preaching at a B minus level or a B or B plus or an A plus, if it's packaged in the right worship service, it doesn't really matter if it's B or A in that because of the packaging.
1: Yeah, does but, that make sense? Yes. Uh, but even back then, when I this church that I restarted, um, they, they had the, the, the history of not having a choir in the summer. You got back, this was 69. Uh, and I remember going, this four I lost half the church, uh, but I remember going into the choir and saying, look, if y'all aren't going to sing next Sunday, I'm not going to preach. <laughs> because a good sermon without you is, is, is a mediocre sermon. A mediocre sermon with you is a great sermon. Yeah. It so, just changed
0: the, the choir to the worship experience.
1: Yeah, well, well back then, it, they had, it was a traditional church. And everything about it was traditional. So it had a choir, uh, you know, and uh, they wore robes. I wore robes that first couple of years. Um, But the choir then was what was equivalent to what a band would be today in most of the growing churches. Uh, We went to the band in the mid 70s, uh, caught a lot of flack, but that's the way the world was going.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you know, in, in Church Leader Insights in the world, a lot of times people come in through the preaching calendar. Yeah, that's like oftentimes the first resource somebody uses with the preaching calendar. And then I try to quickly move them, you know, once you get your preaching calendar, because that's so critical because now the preacher is working in harmony with the worship leader yeah. to create this experience. And yeah. um, I, I won't tell you which church, but one of the churches I served one time, if you just listen to the, the pastor on tape, not Rick Warren, but if you just listen to the pastor on tape, I mean, he really wasn't that great. You know, just to hear his sermon. But if you sat in the audience and, you know, you heard the, the band and you saw the video and you saw the stuff that came up on the screen while he was teaching in that entire environment, uh, he was as good as anybody.
1: You no, know, we talked about that at lunch yesterday. Yeah. Uh, that a lot of pastors put themselves on the tube and all you hear is the sermon. Uh, which is, I think is always a mistake. And you need to put the whole service on if you're gonna do it because it's the experience that matters. It's not the head, it's not the content, it's experience. And that, that's that EQ that, that I talked about. Um, and, you know, the, the further we go in the 21st century, the more the, the, the key word will be experience. I go away with an experience, not content, not how to, but another reason to live another day without blowing my brains out, another reason to, to stick with my family for another, you know, another year, because um, I had a great experience at worship that lifted me up uh, out of the mess that I'm swallowing in when I, when I showed up there for the first time. Uh, it, it's a crazy world out there. Um, people are, are struggling. I mean, 40, 48 million people in poverty in our country, uh, 49 million on food stamps, uh, wondering about where their next meal's coming from. They come to your church. They're not coming there to, to, to learn. They're coming there to find a reason uh, to make purpose out of life. And they have an experience that, that lifts them up. That they're going to come back. Then you have the chance to disciple them.
0: All right. Welcome back. I told you that was worth uh, hanging around uh, for. And what a great conversation we had that day. And I love uh, Bill's direct uh, comments. And I try to model that in my coaching as well. One of the things that uh, you'll find out about me if you read my books or my resources is what we do is too important to mince words and to coddle. So uh, I like to present a direct challenge. And I want to present a direct challenge to you. As a listener of this podcast, you uh, enjoy uh, these free podcasts, and you can tell we are committed uh, at every podcast and every ebook that I offer, and all the free stuff that we have at Church Leader Insights. We're committed to giving you as much as we possibly can. But there are certain things that require a commitment, and one of those is to be a part of a coaching network. And maybe you've heard about my senior pastor coaching network where I teach the eight systems, or you've heard about my advanced coaching network where I've trained some of the uh, uh, fastest growing and most notable pastors. Uh, in the country if not in the world but uh, maybe you don't know as much as you should about my entry-level network and this is a network that is fairly new but it's a network that I've dreamed about since I first started uh, resourcing and coaching pastors back in 2004 in fact uh, the Renegade Pastors Network is a dream I had when I wrote my first book when I offered my first seminar online and when I graduated my first coaching alumni And today, with over 2,000 folks who have gone through my coaching networks with 100-plus church growth resources uh, available to you at Church Leader Insights with uh, almost 200,000 books in print, uh, it's time uh, for me to really challenge you to be a part of one of my networks. And uh, this Renegade Pastors Network is a network where we not only learn together, but we also do life and ministry together. And you know, for years I've taught if you want to grow a church and lead a healthy life as a pastor, and it is possible to do both, by the way, Uh, Just look at what the average person does, the average minister, the average pastor, look at what they're doing and do the opposite. And so I've I've coined this term that is the opposite of average that I call a renegade. And a renegade pastor is not someone who cuts against the grain for the sake of just being different. Uh, A renegade pastor is someone who chooses the narrow way because it's the Jesus way. It's a way of life, of health, of growth a renegade pastor is somebody who stands in the tradition of Peter, Paul, James, Augustine, William Carey, C.S. Lewis, uh, Charles Spurgeon, Billy Spurgeon, or Billy Sunday, <laughs> Charles Spurgeon, Billy Sunday, John Wesley, and those like them who were discontent with average. And so the renegade pastors network is for pastors who are willing to say, you know, I'm not going to just go along to get along. I'm not just going to fit in with the crowd. I'm not going to be averaged. Uh, I'm more concerned with fulfilling my calling than being cool, clever, or cutting edge or whatever. And if you want to be on that journey with me, A journey where every month I coach you, I invest in you, I bring leaders like Bill Eason around you, as well as uh, key business leaders like uh, uh, Patrick Lencioni or the vice president of uh, Disney, as well as uh, major church uh, figures who are writing books and teaching and lecturing out there. I leverage my network uh, of relationships to bring them around you so that you can abandon average. Then this Renegade Pastors Network is for you. Now, there's a ton of benefits for being in the network. There's uh, two monthly calls with me that you can either join live or you can listen to uh, and download later. There's an online uh, community, a private, uh, we call it a coaching hub that you can log into and you can receive uh, back issues. There's newsletters like Church Growth Champions, like the Growth Points newsletter with Dr. Gary McIntosh. There's a member's bonus kit uh, that's available to you every month. There's bonus resources of my best leadership material that you get immediately upon joining uh, from day one. Uh, There's all this, and you can find out all about that. If you will, uh, just log on to this site right now. Uh, Either jot it down if you have to, or uh, just log on if you can. Go to renegadepastors.com forward slash podcast. And here you will see everything that you get uh, when you become a member of the Renegade Pastors Network. And when you join, uh, you immediately will receive a hard copy version of my book, The Renegade Pastor, Abandoning Average in Your Life and Ministry. You'll receive uh, online access to over $813 of my best leadership resources. You can see a picture of all that and a breakdown of all that on the website. And you will be able for the next two months to fully engage the Renegade Pastors Network, get this, for only $1.00. Now, uh, I've tried to make this as easy as possible for you to give it a test drive. You know, pastors, sometimes we don't take enough risk. We don't make enough investment in ourselves. And uh, this network is a $99 a month network. And uh, during the two months that you're going to receive for $1, you're going to love it so much, you're going to find it so valuable that I believe you're going to stay with me uh, for the rest of your ministry or until Jesus comes back or uh, until something happens. I don't know what it would be, but uh, I think you're going to like it so much that I'm willing to invest in you uh, all of these uh, resources up front, the book, a a free t-shirt, you'll see all this spelled out on the website, and uh, to give you a full sixty days to test it out, not a short fourteen day kind of thing, and then we're gonna uh, you know move you into full membership. But sixty days, I mean, you're gonna get the emails, you're gonna hear about conferences, you're gonna see all the benefits that that you're gonna gain from being in this network. You're gonna experience the others in the network, the people who uh, uh, maybe you're a little irreverent. But uh, they have a tendency to uh, do great things for God and attempt great things for God. So I wanted to give you a chance to check it out for only $1. And uh, you would simply go to renegadepastors.com forward slash podcast. And believe me, if I had the dollar to give you, uh, I would do it. If I could send it through this uh, podcast and give it to you, I would. Because I think it's that important for you to take a chance. So for once, uh, take a chance. And uh, you can be anywhere in the world and sign up at renegadepastors.com forward slash forward slash podcast. In the meantime, if you found this podcast helpful, and I know you did because it's great content from uh, Bill, uh, then I hope you'll share it uh, with your friends and simply direct them. uh, Send an email to your seminary buddy or somebody in your denomination and say, hey, you got to go check it out at churchleaderinsights.com. And if you haven't been to the website lately, uh, be sure you check it out. There's a lot of other great uh, opportunities for you on the website, including some new uh, webinars that I'm offering and other free resources. And you can find out about all of that at churchleaderinsights.com. Also, I'll be back again uh, next session for part three of our conversation uh, with Bill Esom And it's about the vital role of the pastor. And uh, that's coming up in part three. We're going to deal with the pastor and some staffing as well. So watch uh, for more on that in iTunes or at churchleaderinsights.com. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm Nelson Searcy. God bless you. See you again next time.